chapter number 23. Or as uh, the little kid said, the book of Job, the book of Job. And uh, um, Job is an example of a person in Scripture whose uh, life was tested and tried. And uh, all of us... um, in our lives, experience God's testing. And uh, in Job chapter 23 and verse 8, uh, Job writes, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. I want you to listen to this part. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. When he hath tried. Everyone say tried. When he hath tried me or approved me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, uh, this term here, I shall come forth as gold, comes from uh, uh, the ancient world where in the olden days, they did not have paper money, and they did not have a banking system. Everyone realized that, so you could not use an ATM card uh, back in the old days or during Jesus' time, uh, and uh, they did not have cash. Uh, but what they did have was coins. All money was made from metal that was heated until it became liquefied, and then it was poured into molds and allowed to cool. And uh, when the coins were cooled, it was necessary to smooth off all the edges. So they would uh, uh, take a file and smooth off all the edges. And uh, since the coins were relatively soft, there were some people who were, uh, uh, didn't have good integrity, and they shaved them closer than they should uh, so that uh, they could make more coins with the amount of gold that they had. And, uh, in fact... In Athens, in uh, one century alone, there were over 80 laws that were passed to stop the practice of shaving down these coins so that they were not as complete as they were supposed to be. Because, see, they understand paper money is of no value. It's just a piece of paper. We see a $20 bill, we get excited, but really it's just it's a piece of paper. Um, the reason it has value is because it's backed by um, the, uh, uh, the Federal Reserve. Now, these coins were different because they had inherent value. Their value was in the worth of uh, the gold, the weight of the gold. And so if they shaved these, uh, then they were actually taking some of the value away from them. Some money changers uh, would practice this so that they could get more coins out of the amount of gold that they had. But there were other money changers that were men of integrity who would accept no counterfeit money, and they also would not put into circulation any money that was counterfeit. Um, they uh, they were only um, would allow fully weighted money into circulation, and uh, men back then that were would only allow the right weight into circulation were called men that were approved or tried. The word that that was used, uh, the ancient word was dokimos, dokimos, which means tried or approved. And uh, there's an Old Testament scripture about the shekel in the sanctuary. 
um, which was the legitimate weight for the coin. And so if people were making coins, they would come and measure it against the shekel in the sanctuary in the house of the Lord, which was where they kept the the uh, the one that uh, was the value. So it was the one that was approved. And men who only allowed uh, full weight gold coins to go forth were men that were approved. And this is what the the uh, New Testament writer means when he used this word approved or tried. You'll come forth as gold. It's when you go through the test and the trial, you'll be measured to see uh, if you're acceptable or if there's been a shaving or if there's a lack of what it will take uh, uh, to be measured. And there, there are other scriptures. Let me read a couple here uh, using this word approved or tried, which comes from the word doik. Uh, dokimos, dokimos, the Greek word, uh, which means those who only allow coins that are approved. In Second uh, Corinthians 10, it says, But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For he that commendeth himself, for, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. This is the word dokimos, approved. And then 2 Timothy 2.5, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, being able to rightly divide the word of truth. And James 1.12, blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, <clears throat> he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. comes from the same word, dokimos, approved or tried. You're approved, you're tried, you're accepted. You've been measured, and, 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 uh, and it is uh, acceptable. And so there's obviously an opposite. If you can be approved, then you can be unapproved, uh, something that is uh, unacceptable. And the opposite of the word is a dokimos. Just put an A in front of it. Uh, dokimos means approved. A dokimos <clears throat> means not approved or not standing the test, unfit for use or unproved. And uh, when this word, uh, uh, this word adokimos uh, appears in the New King James Version, it's translated as rejected or cast away. Or even the word reprobate means rejected of God, not approved or not proved by God, not standing the test. And so all of this is important when we stop talking about coins and we start talking about us. Uh, because we want to be approved of God. We want to stand the test. We want to be tried. We want to be approved. We want to be accepted. We want to be dokimos before the Lord. And, uh, and some of the opposite words, 1 Corinthians 9:27. But I keep <clears throat> under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And uh, this is unapproved or untried or tried and rejected, not standing the test. Titus 1.14, under the pure, all things are pure unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being ab abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. There's the word again, uh, uh, that, that same word, adokimos, which means uh, not standing the test, not approved. They're reprobate. And then Hebrews 6, 7, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it 
and uh, bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it was it is dressed, receiveth blessing from the Lord. <clears throat> but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, a docimos, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So the Word of God lets us know <clears throat> that we can on one hand be approved, be tried and tested, and measured and approved of God, <clears throat> or on the other hand, when we are tried, when we are measured, we don't stand the test. We don't receive uh, approval. And so this morning I'm teaching about the testing of God's vessels. Because what we become is something for God to use. My desire and your desire ought to be we want God to be able to utilize us. That's the most important thing in my life, not my career, not uh, um, my family connections, not uh, um, my financial status. The most important thing in my life is, am I a vessel that is dokimos or accepted, approved by God, having stand, stood the test, and God says, I accept, I can utilize this. And so in order for us to really be used of God the way that he wants to use us as a vessel of honor, there is a, a process of testing or trying. And when we come forth through the test, we shall be tried and we shall be like the gold coin that's accepted you can use. This can be put into circulation. And we as Christians, when we come through the period of testing, uh, as a vessel of God, we come through and we are approved, and God says, now I can use you for the purpose that I created you. And if you really deserve, desire to serve the Lord in whatever capacity that he assigns to you, you have to realize that there is going to be a testing of God that lies before you. If you're a young person, if you're a middle-aged person, whatever you are status in life, if you have a desire to be used of God, you know that there are tests that lie before you. And uh, it's encouraging to know that he uses these tests not just to find out if you're going to be approved, but also sometimes these tests act to build you and grow you. He doesn't test you to tear you down. Amen? God doesn't put you through this trial or testing to destroy you. It is to build you so that you can be approved so that you can be past the test, so that the Lord can use you. And uh, also, it's comforting as you look through the Word of God and uh, you look at the champions of faith, people who did great things for God. You realize, as you read the story of their life, that most of them went through periods of testing as well. Amen? And uh, uh, we'll talk about some of these people today that were tested of God before they could be used in the way that God wanted to use them. Sometimes we think it would be nicer if, you know, as soon as we are saved and as soon as we receive God's Spirit, then uh, immediately God uses us in, in the purpose that He had for us uh, from the beginning. And I believe that there is an opportunity for everybody to begin to be used of God in ministry. That's the purpose and the plan. However, there is a greater calling and a greater purpose that God has for our lives. And in order for us to get there to that point, 
each of us have to go through a period of trying and testing so that we can be accepted by the Lord. And so the whole point of the lesson today revolves around us serving God, being servants or ministers. And uh, once again, I will clarify this point, as I've done many times in some of your hearing, and that is every member of the body of Christ is intended or expected to be a minister. Now, oftentimes we hear the word minister. Well, he's a minister. And immediately we think, well, that must mean he is in a position of authority in the church as a pastor or a youth pastor or maybe a minister of music. And this is just a nomenclature that we're familiar with as a person in authority or a person behind a pulpit as a minister. But when you look into the Word of God at the term minister, you realize that all of us are supposed to be addicted to ministry, to service. Uh, and uh, so ministry is not about being in an exalted position. Ministry is not about having people serve you. But ministry is about serving other people. And so God has called each and every one of us to ministry. And there's an immediate ministry that we can become involved with. But there is, I believe, a greater ministry for many people that God has called you to. And in order for you to get to where God wants you to be, you have to go through trying and testing. And I knew from the time I was 12 years old that God had called me into a preaching pastoral style of ministry. Uh, And it was confirmed to me uh, several times as a young person. I'm not going to say that... uh, Immediately that I knew, well, God's called me to preach. I began to feel this, and I began to question it. I began to test it and try it. I wanted to know for sure. I didn't want to uh, say that I was called just because this was something that, that was a desire in my heart. But through the process of time, it became clear that God had called me to this particular style uh, of uh, full-time ministry. Uh, however, that did not mean from the moment of my receiving that call and that desire and that fire in the belly, if you would, that I immediately begin to operate in that gifting. Uh, In fact, I have gone through and am continuing to go through years of testing and trying. And my final goal is not how large of a church that we would be able to pastor or how respected I would be as a minister. My goal is I want to be approved by God. And through the process of testing, I'm just a vessel, and you're a vessel that God wants to use, and he has a purpose for you. And through the trial and testing, he is uh, going to uh, reform you and change you and transform you so that you can be someone that God can use. And there are uh, just a, a variety of different ways that God tests us, tries us to, to uh, uh, see if we're going to be approved by the Lord. And so... Uh, you can take comfort in the fact that many people in the Word of God that were used of God were and went through a litany of tests prior to being used of God. And uh, also as Christians, we see other people, um, elders in the church, and uh, uh, if they'd be honest with us, they would let us know that they have gone through many tests of their faith, tests of their commitment, uh, and, and many tests as well. And uh, so, so this begs the question, why do we need to be tested? What's the purpose for it? And why cannot 
since God has called us, why can't we just immediately begin to operate at optimum? I mean, God created me. Couldn't he have created me already ready to do whatever he wanted me to do? So why do I have to be tested? Doesn't God know if you're ready to minister or not? Why would he have to put me through a test? He should be able to tell. Of course God knows, but we need to know it too. Through the process of testing, it becomes clear to us as well that God is preparing us. The very act of testing is itself part of your preparation. It's not just the final test. The test is part of your preparation. Anybody remember uh, in school? Some of you have to think way back, way back. Remember when you had the the proverbial pop quiz, or uh, I'm trying to think of the best term for it. I can't remember when I was a school teacher, but a test that's taken before the information is given, a pretest. That's the term, pretest. And uh, you're taking a test, and you're ill-prepared for it, uh, it's a part of the preparation because now you know what you need to work on. And sometimes testing is that way as well. It's like a test and we feel like, whoops, I failed that test. Well, don't feel like it's a total loss because it may be a pretest. God's letting you know what things need to be adjusted in your life. And now he's going to take you through the rigors of preparation. And when the next test comes, then you'll be prepared for it. And... uh And the act of testing can drive you into a deeper relationship with God like nothing else can. I love great services, powerful services, like we had Sunday night. was such a a very powerful service that uh, the presence of the Lord was very evident. And I, I enjoy those services. But you know what can take you even to a deeper relationship with God more so than a powerful service is a test that comes into your life. And, uh, The Bible teaches that God tests and tries every minister that he's going to use in his kingdom. So that means all of us are going to be tested and tried so that God can use us. And what God's doing is he's examining our true attitude on the inside. You know, we can have a show of who we want people to think that we are, but there's attitudes that are hidden on the inside. And God wants to to examine these and wants us to realize that those are there and to show whether we are pure or not. And uh, uh, tests are not simply just to expose our weaknesses, but also to cause us to realize, I need God to help me in this area. I can't deal with this on my own. I do have a weakness, but I need God's help. And I've got to turn to Him for help and for healing. And sometimes through our trials, God removes impurities from us. And someone might say, well, why, why can't God just let us, uh, leave us alone and, and, and let me just live my life in, in peace? Well, the trial is about removing impurities. The trial is about purifying, cleansing. And uh, so when we go through these tests of life and trials of life, God is in a process of cleansing us. And... Uh, When God calls someone, he's going to put them into difficult situations which will refine. Everybody say refine. You know, what is an oil refinery? An oil refinery is about removing impurities, bringing out the pure product. And tests and trials are like a spirit refinery that take out impurities so that the pure product comes out. And... uh, 
These tests create faithfulness. They also sort out those who are not truly called by him. There's a separation. You know, we talked some weeks ago about the fan that God has in his hand to purge the floor, to blow up the chaff and the wheat, and then the winds blow to separate. And, of course, these tests also prove to separate those whose motives are pure from those whose motives are impure. And uh, and uh, also it, these tests serve to equip the servants of God with spiritual understanding that they're going to need to help the church in the future. See, I believe as you're looking at me, I'm looking at you. I could call you by name and I could say, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. You are benefiting the kingdom of God in your ministry right now. However, the benefit of your ministry to the kingdom of God is going to be much greater five years from now. If you will allow God to refine you, if you will accept what he's doing in you and not resist or reject the testing of God, if you'll recognize it, then God is going to heighten your level of effectiveness, heighten your benefit to the kingdom of God. And, and uh, sometimes we get just an, an, a convoluted notion that people who can benefit the kingdom of God are limited to those who are really talented in certain areas. Say, boy, if I could play a musical instrument or if I had a great voice to sing, then I could be of great benefit to the kingdom of God. Or if I had a gift to where I could stand in front of people and and communicate the word of the Lord, then I would be of a real benefit to the kingdom of God. See, that's, a, that's a, an absolute misunderstanding of what it really means to be a minister. Because there are so many ways in which you can help strengthen brothers and sisters. See, the most important thing is not that I sing a pretty song. The most important thing is, can I help somebody get to heaven? Do you understand? And see, there's so many of us that can help people get to heaven, whether it's lost people or whether it's saved people. They need encouragement. They need to, to, to draw from your strength. How many of you before have ever been in a position where you were waffling and you just took one glance spiritually at somebody who was an example of strength through adversity and all of a sudden you say, no, I'm going to live for God. If they can make it, I can make it. And see, all of us have a real chance and an opportunity to be of a real benefit, great benefit to the kingdom of God, greater and greater as we go through the tests and the trials of life. And so God wants us to do great things for his kingdom, but through the testing and the trial, it happens. Every Christian should have a desire to be used of God in some way. Amen? Let me just say that again. Every Christian should have this desire. I want to be used by God in some way. I, I'm not satisfied being a bystander. I'm not satisfied being an observer. I want God to use me. Come on, that needs to be a desire, that, that, that a heartbeat, that's something that stirs within us. I want the Holy Ghost, I want the Spirit of the Lord to be able to use me. And uh, although many of us have a desire to be used of God, many of us do not understand the process of preparation for God's use. Sometimes we're here, God, why am I, I, I want you to use me, but why am I going through this right now? I, I, I thought you were going to use me, but why? It doesn't make sense. I'm going. See, you don't understand. There's a process of preparation. God, see, the reason you're going through what you're going through is because God is going to use you. 
In other words, if you don't go through it, God won't use you. If you don't face the adversity you're facing right now, if you don't struggle with these tests that you're going through right now, well, then God's not interested in you, using you. But the very fact that you are going through a process that, that may be painful, that may be difficult to understand, that may uh, uh, be confusing, it's, it's evidence that God is interested in using you. And uh, most, most people also do not understand that proving is a lifetime process and that tests occur throughout our lives. And, you know, as you hear that, that, that almost sounds depressing. Proving is a lifetime process. I'm going to have tests throughout my whole life. But you know what? If you really think about it, you shouldn't be depressed. You should be very grateful. Because, you know, I, I know my old flesh. I don't know about yours, but I know my old flesh. And if God doesn't keep working on me, we're going to have problems. The fact that God loves me enough to continue testing me. Now, how many have ever, I, I was a school teacher before. I'm a, I'm a pastor now. So I've had a lot of examples of working with people to try to help them to improve. And you, you, you try to help them and you don't see progress. You try to help them and you see that they're not really valuing the help that you're giving them. You try to help them and, and, and they seem like they're ignoring you. And as human beings, we don't put up with that very long, do we? We just mark them off the list and say, okay, you're, you're a, a failure to progress here. There, there's a problem. And, uh, but see, that God is so patient with us because we can fail the same test over and over and over and over again. And he will continue to try to get us to where we're approved of God. And, and some people get so fed up and, they, and they, they reject God's testing. And that's when they reach the point when they're not approved or they're rejected or reprobate, the Bible says. Adokimos, rejected of God. So when you are adokimos, that means no more tests for you. All right? But the fact that we're going through it, the fact that we're facing it, the fact that we're striving is indication that God is working in our life. But testing is a lifetime process. I, I wish you could visualize with me. I wish I had a, um, uh, a visual or a picture that you could see. At the beginning of your relationship with the Lord is called salvation. Everybody say salvation. How many are glad that you got saved? How many are glad that God filled you with the Holy Spirit? How many, are, how many are glad that you have the name of Jesus applied to your life in baptism? Okay, that's the beginning. That's the seeds of your ministry. How do I know that? Well, God saved you, not just so you'd miss hell, but God saved you so you'd have a ministry. That's what we forget sometimes. We're not saved just so we can occupy a pew. Or as somebody said, pay, pray, and obey. But you're saved so that God can use you for a great purpose in the kingdom of God. And so at salvation, those seeds of ministry are planted. Oftentimes when people are first saved, they begin to feel that strong urge and that drive and that feeling that God is going to use them greatly. And so here, that's the beginning point, a line, a continuum line. And at the end is maturity and expression of my ministry full expression of my ministry because here here's a key point i want you to listen this sounds simple but it's profound the more mature i am the more god can use me 
I mean, it's real simple if you think about it. Um, my, my daughters can't be of much benefit in the house when they're real immature and small. But the more mature they get, the more useful they are for us, right? If you teach them and train them. Uh, and the same is true with us spiritually. The more spiritually mature that I become, the more that God can use me. And some, that may be discouraging for some. You say, well, I'm a new Christian. And uh, there's somebody that's been in church 30 years. They've got such a head start on me. And uh, maybe they don't. Because the, the neat thing about spiritual maturity is it's not on a timeline. And, and I've watched some people come into the kingdom of God. There's one young lady that I'm thinking of in particular that I went to high school with. That uh, she was a, uh, um, a young Baptist girl who was hungry for more of God. And she came to our church after she graduated from high school. And she received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. And I have never in my life seen anyone come to great spiritual maturity any, any quicker than her. And it was amazing. And then I've seen other people who have good heart, pure intentions. But they just mature at a slower rate. And uh, uh, we, we, we can't get frustrated with people uh, based on their speed of maturity. But don't get discouraged if you're a new Christian and think, well, if my usefulness in the kingdom of God has to do with my maturity, spiritual maturity, then I really can't do anything for a long, long, long time, 20 or 30 years down the road. That's not true. Because there are people who come into the house of the Lord and within six months to a year are being used mightily by God, doing great things for the kingdom of God. Because maturity doesn't always happen at the same, <clears throat> same pace and same rate. So here, here's the continuum in your mind. My salvation, which is the seed of my ministry. The spiritual maturity, which is the fulfillment of my ministry. But here's the deal. There's a big gap in the middle here. Everybody understand? Fulfillment of ministry. Big gap right in the middle. And this is the period of trying and testing and proving to see if you're approved. See, after salvation comes the call and the birth of your ministry. And then the preparation or the testing of the ministry. And then finally maturity, which is the fulfillment of ministry. And so this is a process. And you look, there are several men in the Bible. Uh, for instance, remember... When Elijah was going along, walking along, and he saw uh, Elisha, and uh, he uh, basically told him, follow me. And then uh, Elisha left his implements of farming and pursued after Elijah. This was the call to the ministry. He felt the touch of the mantle of God's anointing. Right? And Elijah, Elisha became a, the, the, the uh, mentee, if you would, became a great, great prophet with a double portion of miracles, right? Twice as many miracles as Elijah. However, between the call and the beginning of his ministry was the process where he was serving, washing the hands and feet. Of Elijah. And can you imagine that might be demeaning and frustrating? When you know you've got the call of God on your life, but you're not being able to express your ministry. See, it's a natural process. There is the beginning. There's the fulfillment of the ministry. 
But in the middle here is the period of trying and testing. And uh, then Elisha's sought to mentor the next generation of prophet, Gehazi. Anybody remember that story? This was his servant, and he was not approved of God. Remember the story? Because when uh, uh, the uh, opportunity to receive gain from the ministry came through, um, let me see here, let me get my facts straight, Naaman, who received the miracle of God from Elisha, the cleansing of leprosy, he comes back and says, I got, I got some blessings for you. I've got, I've got some donkey loads of good things, from, from, uh, uh, and I want to give it to you. And uh, Elisha says, no, I, I don't need any of that stuff. And he heads on down the road. And the servant, I believe his name was Gehazi, followed after when Elisha wasn't looking and said, hey, Elisha changed his mind. He decided he wanted some gold and silver and some new garments here. And so in the process of testing, in that period between the calling and the fulfillment of the ministry, there was that proving to determine whether, uh, whether the, the man was going to be docimus or adocimus, which is accepted or unaccepted of God. Another one is, is David. Remember when David was anointed, he was just a shepherd boy. Did he become king the next day? He went through a terrible period of testing, rejected of Saul, hunted like an animal by Saul and his army. But finally, David was exalted as the king. So I'm trying to get it across to each of us that when God calls us, don't get frustrated when the ministry does not begin to express itself the next day. Be patient with God's process and understand that there's a purpose to all of it. And uh, there are many, many tests that God uses to prepare his servants for the various ministries uh, that he has for them. Many of them are, these tests are seen at the time as a dark valley experience. Uh, But later when you think about it, you realize that they are some of the most precious times in your spiritual lives. Can, Can anybody relate to me there? You go through the dark valley and you feel so far from God, but there you find as you look back, wow, God was there and I was getting close to the Lord and God was doing something in my life. And, and, it, and it was, in, in retrospect, a very precious thing for me in my life in the process of preparing me. Let me just go through some quickly some of these various tests that we face so that you recognize them in your life. When you see them, don't get frustrated, but know that God is working in your life. First of all is the time test. Time. Everybody say time. Passage of time. We like everything quickly. Uh, that's why we have microwaves. That's why fast food is so popular. Anybody ever driven through the fast food line at the drive through and you're like, it's been three minutes and I'm still sitting here. And, uh, and uh, some of our uh, senior saints can remember mom and dad telling the stories about how arduous a task it was to prepare a meal and how long that it took. The day-long process, getting prepared for a meal. And, uh, uh, but we're so used to everything happening so quickly. But one of the tests that God uses is the test of time. Remember when God gave Abraham the promise? And then Abraham, years later, has not seen the promise fulfilled yet? I'm going to give you a boy. 
I'm going to give you a child, and your seed is going to be like the sand of the seas and, and the stars of the heaven. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There are many nations in your loins. And Abraham's like, okay, sounds good. He's getting a little older, stoop-shouldered. Long beard. Okay, God. See, it's the time test. Part of Abraham's ministry was through his progenitors, through his seed. And the fulfillment of his ministry in this area took time. And sometimes God has a ministry for us, but part of the process is the test of time. Are you going to believe me as the days turn into weeks? Are you still going to believe me when the weeks turn into months? Are you still going to believe that I told you what I was telling you is the truth when the weeks and months turn into years? Many people fall off the wagon during the time test. And understand one of God's tests for those that he's going to use. If you're going to be approved of God, if you're going to be weighted, that God can use you is the time test. Another one is the word test. The word test. Everybody say word and an example of this would be Joseph. Joseph received a word from the Lord in a dream. The word was, you're going to be in a position where all of your family members are going to be in submission to you. This was a word from the Lord. And uh, maybe he didn't fully understand it, but it, he, he saw this as a word from God. But then everything in his life began to happen that contradicted or made seem unlikely or impossible the word from God. And so this is a test from God. On the one hand, you got a word from God. On the other hand, you have your life, your circumstances that are contradicting the word of God or the words from God. And this is a test when God says, when the word of God says that God's a healer, when the word of God says God's a provider. When the word of God says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. And we look at the circumstances of our life and we see a disconnect there. It's a test. Amen. But you know from the life of Joseph that God's word is always fulfilled. After a time of testing. Another type of test is a character test. Character test comes when you're surrounded by people. That have a tendency to bring you down. You're surrounded by people who lack integrity. And sometimes you think, well, I just so happen to be around somebody who lacks integrity. No, God put them in contact with you to test your integrity. Because if you've ever thought about doing something wrong, it makes it a whole lot easier when you've got a buddy that's doing it. It makes it a lot more likely that you can get involved in in scripture you see uh many examples of this one example would be uh samuel when he sees wickedness in people that he's close to and uh our hidden areas of need and deficiency begin to become more visible and we're exposed to our own true inward self and when we get around people whose character is shady it begins to reveal what's in my character and so the character test is another test that God can put us through. Another one is, everybody say motivation or motive. Motive, the motive test where God finds out <clears throat> what is your motive. Is it wrong? Do you have the wrong motive? 
You're either unaccepted or you change your motive. Right? And so in the process of time, God will put you through a test to determine what your motive is. In Scripture, remember Balaam who had an ability to prophesy, make things come to pass. And in Scripture, Balaam had an opportunity to prophesy against Israel for money. He could receive money for it. And this was a test to determine what his motive was. And God arranges situations to reveal to you what influences your decisions, what determines your values and choices and priorities. And sometimes we don't really know why we're doing something. So God lets us know why we're doing what we're doing. Sometimes you don't even realize what your motives are. So God puts you through a test to reveal what your motives are. Is your motives pure? And uh, then, then we serve God to give to Him and to His church rather than looking out for what we can get. And we use our gifts to glorify God rather than to receive glory for ourselves. You've got to go through this process. And God will bring tests into your life to bring out what's on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody else is getting to do what you want to do. Somebody else is getting to testify when you wanted to testify. Somebody else is getting to play and you want to play. And so it's revealing, are you really wanting to serve God or are you really wanting to be exalted? And so God reveals these motives. And at that point, God's putting you through a test. And the test, part of the test is, Part of the test is I've got to change some things. I've got to get a pure motive here. I've got to have as my driving motivation, I want to serve God. I want to bless the kingdom of God. I want to be a servant of God. I want to help the kingdom. And, and uh, so God puts us through these motivation tests. Another test is the servant test. Everybody say servant. This happens when you are asked to do menial tasks that seem below you. Once again, Elisha washing the prophet's feet, preparing meals for him. Here's this guy who has a vision of a double portion of the anointing of ministry on his life. And what's he doing? He's fixing dinners and washing hands and feet, putting water on the hands of the prophet. The old prophet's kind of tuning in and out, getting a little bit old. And, and here's Elisha still trapped doing these menial service, servant-type situations. See, this is part of the testing. And, and there, there are times, and, and I've seen it in my life, where God's going to determine whether my my motive is right whether my heart is pure and and part of it is am i willing to clean the toilet am i willing to get my hands dirty am i willing to do things see yeah but you know i'm i've got all these gifts and talents and abilities and uh, you know i should be used in a different way well see maybe god's going to put you in a position to test you by requiring you to do things that seem below you. This is a servant test. And this reveals whether your motivation is simply to be in the public eye or if you truly desire to help. And those who pass this test learn that God brings forth some of the most precious fruit in the shade where nobody can see it. And God will use the authorities he has placed over you to discern your real level of commitment to determine whether your heart is in the right place or whether you your motivation is self-interest and uh, and uh, so this is a test that God put Elisha through and other individuals in scripture you see that are 
forced to do menial things. And uh, uh, I had an, there's a saying that, that uh, maybe you've heard your dad say before. I heard my dad say it before. Well, it builds character. Now, you don't enjoy it. It's tough work, but it builds character. And that's what happens, you know, when you're doing something, you're not getting any glory for it. Nobody is recognizing it. And, uh, and it, it feels like it's below you. But you know what God's doing? God's proving you. God's testing you. God's trying you. And it's going to come forth. You're going to come forth as gold, something that God can use. Um, there's many, many tests here. I'll just give you a few more. Another test is the wilderness test. The wilderness test. Remember the story of Moses? Had God's calling on his life, anointing on his life, a special, very special beginning. Uh, but then he finds himself in a dry and a desolate place where there's no fruit growing in his life. And he wonders if God really does want to use him. Sometimes when you get in the wilderness test, you have no one to talk to about it but God himself. And, and this shows you that your spiritual life is sustained by the Lord. Am I sustained by the Lord or am I just sustained by all the activities that the church have? And these kinds of desert or wilderness tests actually cause you to cultivate your prayer life. Strips you of your worldly wisdom and causes you to realize, I need Jesus. Anybody been there before? You feel so arrogant and smart and proud and lifted up and God just puts the pen in it. And you're like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's the wilderness test. When you realize, I need to connect to Him because I can't sing loud enough. They can't get the music funky enough for me to get to where I need to get in the presence of the Lord. I've got to connect to Him. I've got to get a hold of Him. The heavens are like brass. I can't feel anything. There's no fruit in my life. God's put you through the process of the wilderness because it's in the wilderness that you learn to seek Him and you learn to tap into His source source of power and resource. Another test is the misunderstanding test. The misunderstanding test is when you're doing the right things for the right reasons and people misinterpret what you're doing. I got a good example of that. His name is J-E-S-U-S. When people around you misinterpret your actions, words, or attitudes, or motives, this causes you to examine yourself and to look for new or better ways to bring across your feelings. It also motivates you to trust totally in God and not in your own skills. See, I'm talking about when you're exercising your ministry and you do something and you're misunderstood. And uh, somebody gets upset, somebody gets mad, somebody questions your motives or purity. And, uh, and this can destroy you because you weren't intentionally doing anything wrong. But what it does is it causes causes you to look in yourself, make sure, yeah, my motives are pure, yeah, my heart's right, but maybe my approach was not the best. Maybe I haven't presented myself well. See, because as you grow in ministry, as you grow in ministry, your influence expands, and you have a lot more connection with people and opportunity to help or hurt people. And so you become more visible. And uh, Brother Tenney, a great preacher, said, the higher that you climb up the flagpole, the more people can see your hind end. And, and this is true as you, God begins to use you more and more. You become more open to criticism. You become more 
open to misunderstanding and facing the misunderstanding test. And if you can't handle it, if you can't handle it, then you've got a certain level that you've got to stay at. But some people God puts through the misunderstanding test to see if he can take them to the next level. Uh, The next is the patience test. Noah went through the patience test. God challenges you to wait patiently for your expectations to be fulfilled. Or maybe endure some tribulation without complaint, without losing your self-control or becoming provoked by the situation. What, what's happening is, you, is you're, you're yielding your rights to God. Say, God, I'm going to let you take control of this situation. I'm not going to control it. I'm going to let you control it. And uh, God can even use harsh criticism and demands of others to teach us patience. Patience. Uh, another test is the discouragement test. You remember when Elijah sat under the, the juniper tree because the evil woman Jezebel had said, I'm going to take your head off, essentially. And so Elijah's discouraged. And sometimes all of us go through tests of discouragement. Anybody been there before? See, the crazy part about Elijah's discouragement is it followed one of the greatest victories in his life. When you think of Elijah's life, what's one of the greatest pinnacle victories you can think of in Elijah's life? Well, I think it's obvious that the great victory in his life was Mount Carmel, where God answered by fire. And everybody started shouting, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And all these false prophets of Baal, the people turn on him, begin to cut their throats. The brook Kidron runs with the blood of the false prophets. And uh, all of a sudden, everybody's saying, the Lord, he is God. And then all of a sudden, Jezebel sends a word and says, the way you've done my prophets, I'm going to take care of you the same way. And immediately, he's thrown into the deepest, darkest funk you can imagine. And sometimes you'll find in your spiritual life that after a great high comes a letdown. And it's a test of discouragement and I like what what God said God said get up essentially come on quit quit whining I'm, I'm still going to use you amen circumstances and people dishearten or deter us from undertaking that which you believe was God's will and you lose your confidence and hope this causes us to go to God in prayer and these times of stress are not wrong but the attitude we take toward them can be And uh, we must delight ourselves in the Lord, not in people's response. And uh, in ministry, you you will find in ministry that you cannot please everybody all the time. I mean, you don't even have to be in ministry to, to, to learn that. You can be a school teacher, principal, boss in the workplace. You're not going to please everybody. And so what do you have to do? You have to find out one person that you want to please and please that person. I can find out what this person likes. I'm going to please them. When I was a school teacher, I decided, Mr. Wells is the principal. I want him to like me. I'm going to find out what he wants me to do. See, the same is true in our ministry. We've got to realize that some people will like this, some people won't like this, but I've got to delight myself in the Lord. I want him to be pleased, and I can't let other people's opinions drag me down. See, that's what happens sometimes. We're doing the will of God. We're doing exactly what God tells us to do, but we allow other people's opinions to discourage us. Amen. And that's part of the testing process 
of growing and becoming what God wants you to be. Many other tests here, four, five, six others, uh, but we're out of time. Um, but I just want to say that uh, if you're going to be a vessel of honor that God can use, there will be times of testing, times of trial. But the reason there's a test is because God wants you to be approved. God wants you to be something that he can use. And, and how many want God to be able to use you? How many know that God has called you? God has spoken to you and put in your heart that he wants to use you 